Some businesses succeed, some don't. Then there are those that seem to have been around forever. The true entrepreneurial success story. How did they do it? What was their vision? What makes a success? In this special episode for Ion Annapolis, we speak with the true success stories. Those business owners that have been around for decades, learn from their successes and failures. Now, here's host John Fernay. Well, we're back here with uh, our friend Skip Ald, who is the C- – are you the CEO? Is that uh, what Yeah, that's it. The technical term of that's it? That's the technical term. I'm the library director here. Uh, of the Anne Arundel County Public Libraries. And again, in a continuing part of our legacy business spotlight, the libraries have always been around. I mean, it started back with, what, Ben Franklin, right? They started with Ben Franklin, but not here in Anne Arundel. Actually, Ben Franklin got social libraries going and subscription libraries uh, – and out of that, I think, grew the Free Library of Philadelphia. Uh, we got started in 1921, and actually, I have a uh, I have some documents here from the early days uh, on what was being done in those early days. But that was a library that got started in City Hall. It was in a room, I think, on the second floor of the current City Hall in Annapolis. Okay, so it's Annapolis on Duke of Gloucester Street? Yeah, yeah. And then two years later, up in Glen Burnie, the Keithy Library got going. I'm pretty sure it was the Keithy at the time. But so both parts of the county had a library going. And then in 1936, the Annapolis Library incorporated as the Public Library Association of Annapolis and Anne Arundel County. So that was 36. We have grown tremendously since those days. We now have 16 libraries. But, yeah, a lot, lot has happened, and libraries in those days were much different, obviously, from yeah. what we are now. Well, I know, I know you told me the last time we spoke, you told me that it's, it's sort of a weird kind of dynamic on how the relationship sits between the county and the state. And right now it's the Anne Arundel County Public Libraries, but you're mandated by the state or? Yeah, the, in, so we had incorporated in 36, and then in the mid to late 1940s, there was a big movement in the state of Maryland to uh, develop a system of public libraries to allow counties to form library systems in each in each of the counties plus the city of Baltimore. So our library system was grandfathered in in certain respects. So, for example, the number of trustees that we had, the, the, the legislation called for a board of trustees to be from 7 to 11 people, but currently we have 24 uh, trustees. We're okay. going to be reducing that down to 17 over the next five years. But, um, but yeah, so we were grandfathered in, in as part of the state system of public libraries. Okay. Why did we establish a, a library system in Anne Arundel County back in, in, in the 20s? I mean, what, I mean, I'm presuming that with the exception of Annapolis, it was probably pretty rural or undeveloped. Right. And that that library did get started in Annapolis. Uh, and it was really the, the basic principle to be able to pool resources and share share these resources at essentially free as a free public library. Actually, I was reading uh, earlier today in that first set of minutes that they were charging 10 cents a card, 10 cents to get a library card, I guess, for the year. And that first year, I think... Look at that. You guys are missing a revenue stream there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it kind of would go against our principles, although 10 cents doesn't seem like too much. I don't think we get a whole lot of money from that. Right. But 10 cents a card. Now, now this was at City Hall? It was at City Hall, yeah. That Uh, is the very first library that, as we know it... Well, it's the first library, as we know it, 
frankly, if you go back in Anne Arundel County history in the late 1600s and the early 1700s, there was a whole different type of library that was a circulating library established by a guy named Thomas Bray. It was Reverend Thomas Bray. I think he was Episcopalian. And he, um, he created these circulating libraries all over Maryland, and I think in Virginia as well. But the one in Annapolis was one of the very first, if not the very first, one of these. There still are some of the books from those collections that are over at St. John's College and in some of the old Episcopal churches in our county. Now, was the library ever in Reynolds Tavern? Oh, yeah, or, yeah. Or was that, was that the county library? That was the county library. We moved there in 1936. We had, a, um, we had a library, I think it was in Annapolis High School, for a couple of years, right before we got incorporated in 36. And that would have been at Maryland Hall. We know it was Maryland Hall now, probably. No? I'm not sure. I think, um, was there a different high school? Yeah, I think it was the the high school on Green Street, which now I think is the elementary, elementary school. school. Yeah, I did. I didn't realize that was the high school. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, so we had the library in Reynolds Tavern, and frankly, I still I've been here a little over eight years now. And I, from the time I got here, I've had people say, "Oh, I used to use that library in Reynolds Tavern." I'd go to the children's section in the basement, or, or, oh yes, I remember this librarian, or or that and and so a lot of people went there until it closed in 1965 which is when we opened the Annapolis library on West Street okay and it was way out kind of in the suburbs you know it was way out sure. from the city at that point in time not as not as much development as there is now but now of course it's full of residential development so you guys were in Reynolds Tavern after it was the house of ill repute I didn't know about that. <laughs> no, that's what no, we call it the House of Ill. That's what, that's what the yeah. rumor is. I don't know. I wasn't really. I, I didn't know that. I, got, I learned something every day. Yeah, no, I, I had heard. That, I heard it was a speakeasy uh, okay. in, in, in a House of Ill repute at one point. Okay. I don't. I don't know how historically accurate that is, but that's the rumor that I've heard for okay, years. Okay, so and years. we'll get with Jane McWilliams to kind of uh, try to track that down. So now we are a, a library system in the county, and you. You've, you've grown. You said you've, there are 13 branches? 16, 16. When we added the Discoveries Library at Westfield Mall, that was our 16th library. And it was op- that one was opened a year ago as an experiment. And it was so successful that we sought funding from the county executive and county council this year, which they approved. So we're, we will be moving over the next six months into a new space at Westfield Mall. Currently, that's 3,000 square feet. It'll be 13,000 square feet our sixth largest library in the whole system. And it already, in its first year, we're having more people attend programs at that library than any of the other libraries. So that's been wild. So you're, you're taking the, the mall library mm-hmm. and expanding it five times? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Moving, moving from the place where we yeah. are, it's, it's, it's fairly close. It's in what, uh, what was Charlotte Roos and American Eagle. So we'll be on a, a really good corner there. But we've been working out lease details with Westfield. Westfield has been tremendous to work with on on trying to iron out how we're going to be able to do this. You know, I think it is so cool what malls are starting to do. I mean, and I, I'm not a fan of malls in general. But as you look at how they're evolving, and I think it's just sort of a necessity of the economy and whatnot, but they, they can't just be a, a retail hub to walk around anymore. And I right. remember hearing a story about a mall in uh, Dearborn, Michigan, that was going under, and they went to Ford, and they said, hey, is there anything you can do for us? And they said, well, okay, we can put some department in their defunct department store space, and it totally renovated it. I mean, oh, there really? was a supermarket that came in, and now there was, they put in a walking track. They put in valet parking. And they put in, you know, all the 
the stuff that you wouldn't expect in a mall, the dry cleaner and a, oh, a cool. daycare and everything else. So now yeah. these 800 people that are working in this cubicle farm of a department store, they can come in in the morning and they can walk around the track. They can go work out. They can call and order things. They will deliver them to your valet to pick up or maybe to your desk. Cool. You can pre-order your food, pick it up and go. And in the heart yeah. of, a, of a Michigan winter, I guess that's probably yeah, that's a, uh, something really nice. And well, I've heard that here in Annapolis they're looking to do something over some of the, the – Well, so at Westfield, obviously the, it took a blow, uh, took a hit when Lord and Taylor left and right. announced they were leaving a year, year and a half ago. So, so that whole section of the mall is, uh, is an area that we're going to be part of. So right next to us will be a gym, a fitness center. Uh, just down the hall on the second level of what was Lord & Taylor, it's going to be doctor's offices. Right. I've also heard they're, t- they're considering condos at Lord & Taylor, too. I've heard that, yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, condos I mean, or apartments, I'm not sure. Yeah. And now my daughter can finally say she lives at the mall. I don't oh, know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not just a saying anymore. But, but again, that makes that makes a perfect sense for where we are. I mean, there's the argument that housing in this area is expensive and is very difficult for if it is affordable and somebody's there. I mean, you've got no problem with parking. Yeah, yeah, the parking's um, great. And and there's so many things. I think we have found at at Discoveries, our library at the mall, that people discover us. People make friends. People look forward to seeing the friends they've made at our story times. So there's um, there's really a lot. There's people who come in and just every day they read the newspapers. Um, it's, it's like, in some ways, like any other library, but in other ways it's different. We have a, a very small collection, but on the other hand, it's doing pretty well. I think we only have 2,300 items in that collection. Right. That includes our DVDs and books and everything. But uh, but it's it's doing great, and we're excited to see what's going to happen when we move to the new space. Yeah. Well, that's neat. You had mentioned earlier that about uh, some of the collections and whatnot. I mean, libraries tend to be curators of history um, to a, a way, degree. In a way. I think you could say that more about an academic library or a rare book or special library. But we we really try to be responsive to what our community is looking for. So... We try to have enough copies, whether it's whether it's in print form or in digital form, so that we so that we meet demand because there's a tremendous demand. We have 570,000 people in our county, and a million different interests that people have. So we try to meet demand. If we don't have something at the library they want, we send it. A lot of people know about our service, you know, our inter intra library service within our Anne Arundel libraries. But then we. We're one of the largest uh, borrowers of books for our customers from other libraries outside of Anne Arundel and really outside of Maryland. So we curate the history in some ways. At the new Annapolis Library, we're going to have a Maryland room, and that will have what was the Gold Star collection in it. We're actually trying to make sure that gets marketed better than it was in the old library. So it'll be in the room, but then uh, it'll it'll also be partly shelved out in the area outside of that room. So it'll blend between a little more open and public where people will discover it and and the room itself. So And, and the Gold Star Collection right now is at... Uh, the community college, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, they, uh, uh, the Truxell Library over at Anne Arundel Community College, they've been housing it, uh, loaning it out, um, you know, offering it as, as part of their collection. Uh, so that's been a great, a great partnership with them. Now, are you still, in, in speaking of Annapolis again, I know the Annapolis Library currently, as anybody knew it, uh, no longer exists, actually, yeah, but it's, it's, really. it's closed. And you took took space in the basement of the charter school, which is the old former Capitol building. 
Yeah, it's not the basement, actually. It's, the, it's, kind of, it's on the main level there. But, yeah, it's right the old Capitol building, which is Monarch Academy. It's, uh, Monarch Academy has created a wonderful school, and we've had a library there. We, we were able to work out with the Children's Guild, which runs Monarch Academy, the ability to have this open up until the end of February. So we'll, we'll be closing there February 21st uh, in time for the staff there to uh, reacclimate to reacclimate there's only six or eight staff members who work out of that building now um, the staff that are at discoveries they were able to, to we were able to staff that library by vacancies that we had well not vacancies but positions that could move around the system when the annapolis library closed and they weren't needed we had about 22 staff members altogether there so so without going into the complicated right, math right. of this, we'll be hiring about a dozen or so new staff members for the Annapolis Library. And so I think there's a lot of people who are interested in coming to be part of that because it's going to be a tremendous new library. It's going to be really, I love yeah. driving up West Street and just yeah. seeing the, you know, the the fairies out there at night sprinkling water and watching this thing just sort oh, of yeah. grow up from the dirt. It's, <laughs> I uh, wish it was so easy. It's, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, I've. It's great. You know, I saw it a couple of weeks ago. It had the bright green siding. I'm like, oh wow, that's kind of progressive. You know? yeah. And then the stone came on and everything else. But it's oh, it's uh, tremendous. It is going to it is going to transform our libraries. It's going to really create the renaissance of libraries. Now, is that going to be the biggest library in the system? Actually, no. It's uh, the biggest will still be the Odenton Library, mm-hmm. which is around thirty nine thousand square feet. This one is thirty two thousand five hundred square feet. And and so, but it still is a really good size, and it it accomplishes pretty much everything we sought to accomplish with this library. It, and, and of course, the neighborhood loves it, um, sure. loves it being there, and we're happy with it being there. We got a lot of good traffic coming by on West Street. There'll be a better access from the from the right side of the building instead of the way it was before right. from the from the left side and we're looking for an opening on this in probably march or april of 2020 or may of 2020, or may of 2020. Yeah, it could be may but possibly april of 2020 the, we're gonna we expect we still do have a winner <laughs> you know construction you never exactly know. i think we've we've kind of used up all the contingency time that we had in other words there we built in a good cushion of time and we're expecting to get a certificate of, of occupancy in January, but then it's going to take time to build out. And also we wanted to build in a little bit of time in case that certificate doesn't come in until a little later than that. So and that's the city of Annapolis, so you've got to bid in a little bit of city of Annapolis extra time there because that'll <laughs> as been, opposed to yeah, the county. We've been working with the city. Yeah. I'll, I'll just throw a dig into the city there every now and then. You don't have we, to agree with me. We love the city of Annapolis. <laughs> Again, looking as and under your tutelage, this the the system has grown, and I'm constantly amazed at the different things that are offered. You mentioned, you know, both in in print and digital. Okay, and digital is something that uh, didn't exist when I was growing up. Yeah, um, right. digital, you know, it was the card catalog and oh, the, yeah. you know, the flipping oh, yeah. through and the flipping through. Yeah. And you know, if I wanted to be a little jerk, I'd rearrange the cards. Oh, <laughs> you didn't do that. Tell me. I, <laughs> I, I may have. <laughs> I may have when I was younger. But it's just evolved. I mean, yeah. and, and as you mentioned, that everybody, you're, you're giving your customer what they're demanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so the, the e-book collection and e-audio collection, that actually is the fastest growing part of our collection. So people are, are starting to read e-books, you know, not necessarily to displace their reading of print books, but there's a lot more of that. And it really is growing pretty much by leaps and bounds. We have a pretty difficult issue with the publishing industry. The publishing industry charges libraries 
triple, quadruple what they charge an individual, which really is on the face of it wrong. And so the library industry and the publishing industry are starting to go head to head on trying to to make that a more fair system because it deprives people all over our county and everywhere. Well, it sounds like it's a, a model that would be after like a uh, music publishing where if you're operating a bar and making a profit off of it, but I mean, you're, the library, it's a free library. The library is a public good and, and it's just something completely different. So there, uh, the publishing industry in the early 1900s, speaking of when this library uh, opened, in 1906 there was a Supreme Court case that established a principle by which libraries could buy a copy and loan it out as much as they want to until it fell apart. So obviously it's different with e-materials, but we, we are, the, 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 for example, Macmillan Publishing has recently announced they're going to start embargoing books so that a library won't be able to buy it until eight weeks. They'll be able to buy one copy and then no more copies until eight weeks after the publication. They're trying to drive sales of their book among their their consumers, um, right. which is a deprivation of all of the public who can't afford to buy books, and not, not to mention all the public who maybe could afford to buy a chunk of books, but not every book they so want. So that puts you into like a, a second-run movie. Yeah, theater type exactly, of exactly. Exactly. So at any rate, that's uh, that's neither here nor here. Yeah. The point is, ebooks and the use of ebooks. Every all the all of the people who are listening to this, who who are frustrated with the library because they're way down on the waiting list. Uh, well, there's only so much money that we can devote to this. We try to keep a ratio of uh, a copy for every three or four reserves placed on an ebook. But it's just really difficult, and they're so expensive for us. So we need more and more money to be able to do it, which hits the coffers of the of the. County. And how are ebooks delivered? Are they delivered to your device wirelessly, or are they? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You you you. Typically, we use um, OverDrive, and we use the Maryland um, Digital Library uh, Consortium. Anyway, you you go to the library website, and you just uh, look for OverDrive, and you download. You can download an app to your phone. Right. The, and, and you've got so many licenses for a book. If I want to read Harry Potter, you've got maybe 500 licenses system-wide. I wish we had 500, yeah. Well, maybe <laughs> say, say you've got 50 licenses. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if 50 people have it out, I have to wait until somebody returns that. Exactly. Until you can reissue it again. Exactly. And, I mean, the good thing – there's a lot of great things about, about e-books. You, uh, you don't have to pay overdue fines because it's gone from your, from your device mm-hmm. when, when the time When your time's up. up. But let's just say okay, – That makes you for a faster reader. Yeah, you got to sit sure, there, got to get it for done. sure. And and so let's just say fifty copies of a Harry Potter. Uh, we might have that many copies with four, say three hundred or two hundred reserves on that book. So so that those fifty copies keep turning over, and eventually you'll get it. But we don't like to keep people waiting really more than a couple of weeks. And as it is, it's at least a couple of months. And and those really popular books. Sure. Other other stuff that you've done. I know uh, you've done fishing rods. Oh in, yeah, we've got in Pasadena. Fishing, yeah, fishing poles up at the Mountain Road Library. That's that's been great. We're we're checking out ukuleles at some of our libraries. We just on Saturday we had the Human Library. Our programming here in this. You did library. another one. We did another Human Library. It was tremendous. I I was able to get to one, and I was able to check out one human book up there. So the way it works is we had, I think about fourteen or fifteen, people with very interesting backgrounds. We. We interviewed maybe 50 people who applied to be the human books, and we selected these 12 or 14 people. Um, and then you could come in, and I think it was um, people were being checked out all day from 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. So I got there late. I had some yard work at home to do, but I got there 
to check out one of the books. And I wish I had known about that because I missed the very first one that you did. And we'll do another. For yeah. those that are listening, this is uh, is every human has their own story. Oh yeah, and the library curates a group of humans, real people that you can actually take and talk for a period of time. Yeah, I mean and it was great. We it was at the Odenton Library. We had the meeting room all set up with uh, stations, so all the all the books were there seated, and they had numbers. So I forget what number mine was, but I knew which which book I was checking out, and I was helped by a staff member to get to the place. And for about fifteen or twenty minutes, was able to ask questions. Um, in in this case, it was a person whose spouse had committed suicide uh, something like 16 years ago, and she talked about how her life had changed. Her kids were um, were young at the time, and what it what it has meant, how it transformed her life. And she actually was able to talk to some people who have who who she told me that some of the pe- people that had checked her out earlier in the day had thought about it. I, th- I think she said that one person asked the question, "Why shouldn't I kill myself?" So you're talking some pretty deep conversations, and it, what, that's just one example. There are many others. Well, I know there was the last time you did it, there was some refugees that, that had, had come in. And, I mean, it could be something as, I don't want to say mundane, but as, as, a, as a police officer. Let's Actually, we had, a, uh, we had a person who I think had 33 years of law enforcement experience, and I didn't get to check him out, but, I'm, but I, he was in a group setting afterwards where there was some debriefing that I, that I listened to. And, yeah, I think, I think everybody who, who does this as a human book, they just love it. It's a, it's a really deep and important and valuable experience that it just doesn't happen in your day-to-day. It, it brought about ways for people to connect and learn about something that's completely out of their, out of their realm, as in the case of... Yeah, I mean, and, and it can take you out of your realm and take you out of your comfort zone. It can, you know, just open your eyes to something that... That you had no idea. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll talk about the elephant in the room, but the, speaking about opening your eyes to something you may not know, you've got your Drag Queen story time, which has been certainly controversial. That's an elephant in the room? I didn't know it's that. A, it's, a, well, <laughs> it's an elephant in some rooms, but it's... Uh, well, yes, we had a... We Actually, now we've had three very successful Drag Queen story times. We had the first one in the summer, in August of 2018, and we had two back on June 29th, so that was during GLBT Book Month, sure. is, is how we celebrate that month, and the, this time they were done at the Saverna Park Library, and they, they really, it was just a great program. I was able to attend the second one. I actually was marching in the Annapolis Pride Parade because mm-hmm. our library has been partnering with I saw Navy. you guys there. Oh, yeah. I saw yeah. you guys there. Well, it was, uh, it, that in itself was, was a totally joyful day and experience, and I'm so glad I had that opportunity. But, um, but then in the afternoon, I was able to get to the 3 p.m. Drag Queen story time. And, and it, it's great. It's, you, we had to have had about 150 people, I think, in the meeting room. And it's really moms and dads and kids and caregivers and kids and mm-hmm. grandparents and kids. And, and it was just a lot of fun. I think the idea of it is, is something that is maybe hard to grasp at first when you hear about it. Because I think in the experience of most of us, drag queens are not associated with children and story times. They're just associated differently. But right. but what we've done is to create a program, again, to allow people to celebrate the differences in people and kind of open, open up their understanding and their experience. Uh, I, I imagine these kids... Well, I don't know what you – know, some of them were so young, I don't know how much impression it's even really going to make other than, oh, yeah, we went to story time. 
because the stories are are uh, I mean they're fun they're so I don't know. There's laughter and everything else. Well, I, you know, as far as being able to have acceptance, we could we could probably use a lot more of that in, yes. in the in the way yes. this world is today. That's, that's, that's the point of of us doing this. We we uh, as a library system have have embraced diversity, inclusivity, trying to trying to bring people together and in positive ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that I think that you guys are doing that's uh, fantastic, and I know it's expanded over. I believe it's only been in place for a year now is the um, Wi-Fi checkout. Oh, yeah. And I think that's just been a, 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 been, a been a year anniversary at this point. Yeah. And, again, this is reaching out to all members, I think, reaching out to all members of our community, okay? I go home. I've got Wi-Fi. I, I, I pay for the gigabyte or whatever the hell it is with Comcast. And, you yeah. know, and, and I, ha- I have no problem on that. There are people that are living in public housing. There are people that are living just in homes that don't have access to that. And our lives have really become so electronic-focused. We're always looking at a screen, whether it's in a hand of, you know, the palm of our hand or at a computer screen or whatnot. And this, you can check out a wireless hotspot. Yeah, it's it's really valuable. Um, Even people who are going through some hard times and decide they're going to have to cut corners on their budget and they decide to just give up their Internet for a while, so there's so many reasons people um, people find that that it's really valuable. You check it out and you have access through this hotspot to to be able to connect multiple phones, computers, and so on. So people might have some of these devices. Practically everyone has a smartphone, but if they're not getting the data, this this is a way they they and all their family members can have access to that data. So yeah, it's it's tremendous. I'd like to have a lot more of them be able to check them out for longer periods of time. Even talking about students in the schools who have assignments that require them to use the internet. Well, that's one of the things that I think would be ideal. You know, if you're working on a group assignment with somebody that does not have access to Wi-Fi at home, you know, that kid is automatically at a disadvantage. That's, that's absolutely true. Yeah. So, so this program, we, uh, we were able to get a grant from the Helena Foundation. It was Jim and Sylvia Earle who, who run that family foundation. And they, uh, they kind of re-upped, let's say, to provide continuing funding so that we could pay for the data plans on the second year and we could expand the program. So that's been tremendous. That's part of the partnership between the library and all the, all the tax support that we have. Plus, we try to go to uh, to the private community and gain philanthropic support for various programs. So that's and that's, that, that and that's through the foundation, right? Yeah, the, the library the foundation? Arundel, yeah, the library foundation, yes. Which now, this, how does this work? Okay, we've got the Anne Arundel County Public Libraries, which is the entity that has the books and the Wi-Fis and the fishing rods and the, <laughs> yeah. the story times and, ev- and everything else. And the else. meeting rooms and the study rooms, yes. And that, that, that's, that's your, your bailiwick. That's what you're yes. in, in charge of. Yes. Now, the foundation is in charge of funneling money to you guys the the foundation really is um it it was created about 10 years ago and it really got going five years ago Uh, i mean it got going before that and we've had a foundation board that is passionate about everything that our trustees are passionate about namely all the great services we provide but they are uh, people who either they knew how or they learned how to ask for money and to to and there's quite a there's quite a talent to this. I mean, we have events such as for the love of the library in April every right. year. Eastport at the Eastport Branch. Library. Yep. Yes, we're hoping to have it at the Annapolis Library this coming year. 
we try to meet with potential donors and uh, find out what kinds of things really make them tick and make them excited. Why, why are they interested in the library? And we try to provide opportunities for them to make donations. At the Annapolis Library, there were a number of naming opportunities, such as the meeting rooms, the um, many of the different rooms and spaces sure. there. And, and so that has helped us with the campaign that we've run the last three years to, to be able to bring in a good bit of money, not just um, for the specific kinds of things we're looking for there, but uh, to help with an endowment that we're, that we're trying to build up. Well, I know with the naming things in the Annapolis Library, and for those that can't afford a room, uh, they can get a brick. You exactly right. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes. So anybody listening for $100, which is really inexpensive considering what you can do here, you can get a brick. You have three lines, 15 characters per line. You can say, uh, you can name it in honor of Aunt Susie. You can name it in honor of your kids. You can you can name it in honor of your dog. You can you can have a saying. Uh, you know, I think we've had a lot of of interest. I think we've sold several hundred of the bricks already. There are more available, and to have your brick at the library when we open next April or May, you need to get that brick purchased by by the middle of September. And so the, uh, you can do that at the library website. You can go to donate. Uh, just click the word donate, and that takes you to the foundation page where you'll see how to how to, to buy, buy your brick. brick. Yeah, and it will be there in perpetuity. Yes, it will. Uh, yes, it will until uh, until till the next renovation comes. Annapolis Library is the the latest expansion that you've got, and I, I think. Uh, you're pretty sneaky in that you got like another branch in that whole mall, which was supposed to be temporary, and now now it's a full blown five times the size of it's, what it was. Yeah, but I'll, I'll give you credit on that one. But um. well, I don't know how sneaky we are, but uh, we we started it out as a pilot project and knew that that if it worked well, that it would be great to see if we could get it um, get it made as a permanent library. We certainly didn't know that it would be at the large size that it's going to be. But in addition, the Revere Beach Library will be opening about a year after the Annapolis Library. We got funding for that. And uh, we also are funded now for the Glen Burnie Library. And that's going to be another large library in, in Glen Burnie. Uh, now, is that going to be about the same size as the new Annapolis Library? Uh, yes. Generally, that, I mean. That's the plan is for it to be right around 32 to 35,000 square feet. And then, but the thing about Glen Burnie is. Um, we are serving double the number of people out of the Glen Burnie Library that we serve out of any of our other libraries. So it's about 100,000 people as compared to 40 or 50,000 in Revere Beach or Annapolis. So sure. the recommendation of our MGT facilities master study was to replace it with two. And so we are looking in the uh, a few years after the Glen Burnie Library opens to open another library. We call it Mid-County, but it might be at the Old Mill High School complex. Okay. And so, so a lot is kind of in play right now to, be, to really develop this system. I think I mentioned that we see it as a renaissance of our, of our services and of our programs and, and our buildings. And Annapolis kind of kicks off in a big way getting into the modern age. That library is going to be so different from the other libraries because of the kinds of spaces we've created. Many different spaces, places to sit and and contemplate or read or study or have business meetings in some of the study rooms and you know have group study after school there's just so many things that this library is going to do the meeting room itself will be a larger much larger meeting room than we've had before 
uh, dividable into two meeting rooms, conference rooms that will accommodate 15 or 20 people or six or eight people. It's, it's awesome. Well, it's, it's, it was sort of sad. The last time I was in the uh, Annapolis Library was actually the day that you guys held the official groundbreaking of the new one. And it's just those old, lonely, empty <laughs> shelves with the empty yeah. chairs. And I was able to go in and walk around there. And it was uh, – so I'm very excited to see what the, new, what the new one brings. And I think it's fantastic that we're looking to do two more libraries that are on the way yeah. with a potential third yeah. Um, yeah. as well there. You've been in the library business forever. You, If I That's remember true. last time we yeah. spoke, you were Duke? I, yeah, was it? I started at Duke, yes. Um, hello to all my University of Maryland uh, fan base out there. <laughs> yes, I started, uh, I worked at the Duke Library as a clerk typist. And uh, yeah, so I have a little affinity toward toward Duke. I also met my, my wife there. So yeah. and, and, but I mean, so what, You've seen these changes for years that have yeah. come from the library. And, uh, I mean, you, you were back there when I was back there with the yeah. card catalogs. And yeah. there was digital meant, you know, counting. And, you, know, yeah. you might have had a calculator. Yeah. I don't know. You know? Yeah. Um, where do you see, just with your experience, the libraries, not necessarily Anne Arundel, but what, what's the future hold? What's 40 years? Do you have a crystal ball that you could look 40 into? 40 years. Well, I think that we're... You'll be retired. Yes, I think I will. <laughs> By that time, I'm pretty sure I'll be retired. Although I have told a number of people I'm on the Ruth Bader Ginsburg retirement plan, which is, you know, work till <laughs> the, I can. The never, the, yeah. the never gonna die. I think that we're going to be in some ways exactly where we are right now, which is we'll be very community-based and grounded in what are the needs of our community, what kinds of things are we well-positioned to, uh, to meet community needs for. So we, we serve as a convener and connector of all kinds of community groups in many different ways. We have, so I think that 40 years from now we will still be doing that. I, I think that we'll still have collections of materials. I think there will develop a balance that may be tilted a little more toward ebooks than it is right now but i think that as far as i can tell print books are still going to be around we, yeah, it's, it, that was that was going to be my question is is our libraries 40 years from now going to be virtual i don't think they'll be um, fully virtual although there are some around that are now and frankly if you look at medical and law libraries practically all of them have gone completely virtual but we're not in that business. We're in a business that, that is meeting the needs of, of the entire population of a, of a county. Of an area. Yeah. So, so it's different. And there's a lot of people. There's a lot of value to a children's book with, with pictures or art books or books of photography. I, you know, I couldn't agree with you anymore on that. I, I love I, I just bought, okay, Cringe at My Taste in Books by Howard Stern's new book. And I, I love it because it is a I read book. part of that, but I, I picked it up and I haven't finished it yet. You know, a book yeah. that I can sit there and I can turn the pages to. That's interviews, right? With Yeah, yeah, yeah. all of his inter- interviews. Yeah. And same thing with the Capitol. I mean, I yes, I do have a digital subscription to the Capitol, but I do like Sunday morning sitting out on the deck, flipping the pages, yeah. uh, having my cup of hot chocolate. and It's uh, a little harder for, uh, speaking of the Capitol, it's a little harder for my wife to circle the story she wants me to read if it's digital <laughs> but she has all these things I, I that's how i read the paper these days right right yeah what are the marks on the screens yeah. <laughs> all about but well i'll tell you this has just been a fascinating history of the Arundel county public libraries back from the 20s to the yeah. growth through now and then uh looking 40 years ahead or so yeah. but uh i am looking forward to may when we can get into 
into yes. the oh, Annapolis Library on it's West gonna Street. It's going to be great. Yes. Um, um, it's is is I mean it, it looks like it's three stories. Is it? No, it's uh, one story. Is it? It's but a I mean, single story. But the, the, there's a long uh, central part that ha- that is pretty high. I think it's twenty or twenty five feet high, and it that's the main part of the library. And then you have wings. So there's a there's a when you walk. I, it, you got to see it to believe it. You got to see it to believe it. You can get a little taste by going to the library website aacpl.net and and just look for New Annapolis Library. You'll be able to to find that on our website, and you'll see some drawings of what it's going to look like. But again, the drawings don't do justice to what people are seeing every day now driving sure. by. So yeah, it's, sure. it's going to well, be great. Aaccpl.net, you said, is the library's website. You can uh, request a library card from there. You can certainly register in if you have a library card. And I do recommend everybody take a look at that because there's so many different things that we barely touched on that you guys have. The, uh, the research section of the website uh, gets you to a whole different part of our collections where you get, you get to the databases, the, tech, the technical databases. Uh, just the day, you get to the homework help. So now that we're close to the school year, Every day of the year from 2 p.m. until midnight, students from kindergarten through community college can, can go to the homework help page and get, you know, start chatting with a, with a, a teacher, a, tra- a trained certified teacher. Uh, we also have a veterans page that helps veterans connect with resources, and it's a similar type resource. So, yeah, we've scratched the surface. It's it's worth the half hour poking around. A- A-A-C-P-L dot net. You right? got it. That's and right, Arundel John. County Public Library dot net. That's it, John. Um, Skip all. thank you very much again for your time. I appreciate it. Congratulations on the growth and uh, the certainly the expected opening for the Annapolis Library, which is uh, going to be such a welcome uh, thing for the community as well as the explorations in the mall. Yes, indeed. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this special podcast for I Am Annapolis. Please be sure to visit IamAnnapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinions. And in case you haven't already, please subscribe to the I Am Annapolis Daily News Brief, where we bring you your local news direct to your phone or tablet every Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Subscribe on iTunes or Google Play.